business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Walt Bayless. I'm the host of the Business and People podcast. Today, I am thrilled to have an incredible angel investor and revenue strategist with me on the show, Mr. Ron Flavin, who is based in San Francisco, the the heart of tech innovation in the world. He is an incredible funding and revenue strategist, someone that's helped uh, and and created uh, grants and opportunities, created investment opportunities for businesses to the tune of over $300 million. And he's also been involved in over a billion dollars of funding for clients. He runs a consulting business now that helps entrepreneurs and businesses find their uh, revenue stream so that they can grow. And he is the co-director and founder of the Startup Institute in San Francisco. And it is an incredible pleasure and an honor to welcome Mr. Ron Flavin to the show. Thank you. Very glad to be here. I appreciate it. Oh, it's so great to have you with us, Ron. This is an incredible journey that you've been on to to become someone in the funding space, especially I've been reading that you're into clean tech, into bio, into all kinds of technology environments. How did you find your way into this amazing environment that you're in? Well, it's, it's, it's really quite interesting. I started my first business when I was 21 years old. I built a chain of retail stores with my business partner. Uh, they were in the Midwest, and uh, we, were, we were pretty successful. We built up a chain of 11 retail stores in the Midwest, but I realized I hated it. I didn't like it. I wasn't happy. So I decided that manufacturing was where I wanted to be. So uh, we decided to start a manufacturing company with the idea that Walmart would be our first customer. Nice. So we, we built the manufacturing company around that idea. And we were successful and started manufacturing products for Walmart. And then soon we were uh, um, manufacturing for all the major retailers in the U.S., in Canada, and some internationally. And uh, although we were very successful, I realized that I disliked that even worse than the retail. And um, But there was one interesting side note from that is that because I was able to achieve all that at such a young age, people started coming to me and saying, how were you able to do that? How were you able to convince Walmart and these big customers to, to say yes to you? And what I realized through those conversations that rather than being CEO of a retail or manufacturing company or whatever... What I really enjoy is helping other people and other organizations to achieve their goals. So when, I, when we approached Walmart, <clears throat> we used this sort of reverse engineering process where when we went in, we fully understood exactly what they were expecting, what they wanted to see, and what they wanted to hear. Wow. So what I started doing is applying that same process to other, other sectors and particularly in, in the funding realm. I started off helping a, a local nonprofit where a family member was a board member, helped them get some grants using that process. And it kind of started from there. And I, I realized that I really have this sort of innate knack for understanding how and why 
funders and investors make the decisions that they do. So that is what motivated me to start my consulting company and to work with organizations and businesses and startups uh, to help them secure funding for projects or to commercialize technologies, enter new markets, whatever, whatever the case may be. Wow. Uh, and then as, as that business grew and matured, I wanted to really become more involved in the startup ecosystem here in San Francisco. So I got involved in the, the Founder Institute and came on board as a co-director. And that is a startups, uh, it's a global startup accelerator for tech-enabled startups. So my co-director and I run the San Francisco chapter and uh, graduate about 15 to 20 startups a year out of that program. And we both do that because we really enjoy it and we're passionate about helping uh, founders and startups to succeed. I love it. I love it. You know, looking at that timeline, so 21, building up a chain of 11 retail stores, hate it, unhappy in the position. So we move into manufacturing and, and, you know, Am I right to say that you you so you exited out of that retail chain? You sold that business? Uh, I left it with my my former business partner. Took it okay. over. Yeah, yeah, yes. cool. All right, and then so you've moved into manufacturing, and you've you've designed your customer base before you put the first tool into a machine. In in, in terms of manufacturing, you you exactly. built that you built that that model directly towards it. Now you build up a successful business, hated it again. Let and again had an exit to be able to then fund your way into, I, I would imagine what is every entrepreneur's dream right now, where you get to look at lots of different businesses and direct yes. to, you know, all the, all the, the different ideas and people coming through without ever getting stale in one environment. Um, what do you think makes up an entrepreneur, Ron? Where, where, like I'm one myself, I'm a, I'm a software company owner. Where, do we, where does an entrepreneur go where they say, I just can't be an employee anymore? Like what makes up an entrepreneur, do you think? Um, for me, it's really about not having limits. Yeah. So many years ago, there was a, a brief time in my life where I had a, a full-time job for just a little while, and I did very well at it, but uh, they made the mistake of showing me where I was on the salary scale. And I realized that I was at 95% of what I could possibly earn. And I got really depressed (laughs) because I thought if I work another 20 years, I can only get, you know, a little bit of a raise. And so for me, I wanted to be without those limits uh, where I could earn or achieve whatever it is that I want to achieve. And for me, I believe it's really that that unfettered commitment to to achieving dreams, um, but at the same time being willing to accept critical feedback mm. and to shift and pivot or even backpedal or yeah. step aside and and start over and accept your mistakes or or failures or whatever they may be, and you dust yourself off, you get up and you go again. I've, I, you know, I, I highlighted the word exit there with a couple of your first stories because I think one of the things as an entrepreneur that, that we have that you never have as an employee is a chance of I've built this, okay, I'm tired, I've burned out, I've been here for 10 years, 
somebody just buy this thing off me. And that, that alone can fund that whole next growth. You never get that chance as an employee, right? Do you find no. that, do you find that, um, that, that founders now, successful founders are building with an exit in mind or are they, are they only thinking about that later on once they've got something? Um, I encourage, or my, my co-director at Founder Institute and I, we encourage our founders to not look at the exit right now because we want them to focus on their near-term success and, and really being passionate and excited about their, about their, um, their ventures. And, so um, important. yeah, yeah. And we always tell them that you can, you can think about the exit as you grow. But uh, from from my perspective, I, I, I believe it's it's uh, better and you're more likely to build an enduring, yeah. successful startup yep. if you don't launch with the exit in mind. Because I think if you if you do that, if you if you are if you are hearing this podcast, you're in the car, you've got this great idea, you're starting, you you know you're on the journey, and you're sitting there thinking it's my ten million dollar shot or my hundred million dollar shot. I can't wait for that big check to come in. It feels like you're copping out before you've even built something of value, right? Exactly right. You you could sell out before you've even reached the potential that you could achieve. Yeah. By by focusing on that exit now, and you could really be selling yourself short and missing out on huge opportunities. So focus on the growth. Focus on what you're there for, on your your position in the company, and and the dream that you that you created with. Ron, tell me, you know, as people are getting started, uh, and, and I've certainly been through this, so I'll talk about it from a personal point of view. A, an entrepreneur starts, they have a great idea, um, they're, they're, they're bootstrapping or they're out of cash, they know they have something in the marketplace, but they just can't quite get it over the line. Is there always a, um, a way to get a grant? Is there always cash? Is there always somewhere to turn? I wouldn't say always. Uh, but if it depends on the industry, uh, the technology, the product or the service, yep. in a lot of cases, yes, there could be different types of uh, government funding streams or even uh, uh, grants that made available through corporations, sometimes foundations, quasi-governmental organizations. Um, there, there oftentimes is, but not always. Yeah. Um, and when there isn't, uh, there are a lot of ways to get creative, uh, strategic partnerships. Um, there, there's a lot of ways to get creative. And I've seen a lot of founders just be right on the cusp of failure, yeah. but they didn't give up. They got creative. They held in there and stayed true to their vision and their commitment and selling that vision. And they came through. And, and got what they need needed to to scale. I love that idea. Like, uh, if you're finding yourself into in a in a bit of a uh, a, a valley or even a plateau, you, you know, you you you're, you're there, but you just can't quite break through. Cash flows tight. Getting creative about these strategic partnerships and structuring a few tiny changes within the organization that makes you more appealing for a grant 
or to an, to an investor, suddenly can then open the doors into that, that massive growth. I know you, at the bottom of your site, which is rflavin.com, you've got, a, you've got a downloadable white paper report that, that anyone listening can go and grab. And it talks about uh, literally setting yourself up to be in a right position for grants and for founding. Um, do, do you go through that kind of stuff with people? You say, look, this is where you are. You need to change these few little things to be more attractive to funding? Yes. Yes, and I, 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 I rarely, if ever, recommend a, a full pivot yeah. to, just to make yourself appealing to a funder. But a lot of times there are small or incremental changes you could make um, to, to stay true to your vision while at the same time becoming more appealing to grants or uh, other non-dilutive funding sources or investors. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Ron, with um, if somebody's if somebody's listening and, and maybe they're a new entrepreneur and they're thinking to themselves, "I've got this great idea," and you know, all of that kind of stuff. What are some of the things that they could do early on in their business career, in their business journey, to make themselves in the right position for when the timing's right for that funding? What are, what are some of the the ticks that they should take care of quickly? Well, one of the most important things from either an investment perspective as, as an angel investor or with the investors who I work with, who I know, or if it's, if it's funding through a grant or some other uh, uh, instrument, it's one of the key, the, the person or the people or the team behind the business are really important. It's critical because a, a great person or a great team can make even a mediocre product a huge success while a lousy team can make, take the greatest product or service in the world and make it a monumental disaster. Yeah. So I, I recommend that people really start taking stock of their skills, their expertise, and think about ways that they can really demonstrate that they as an individual or their team uh, can really are, are really the ones who can carry off this project and make it a success or launch this business and make it a success. So I, I don't yeah. mean to cheapen that comment, but that sounds easy in terms of a business owner saying, uh, give me a skill set, give me a list, give me a resume, like really take stock of what you can do and your team. Ron, is it as easy as that? Is it as easy as, as putting that, that around and saying, this is who we are and this is what we can achieve? Well, it's, that's the first step. I yeah. wouldn't say it's as easy as that, but that is the first step. The, the second step Just is, to cut in, just to cut in, there's going to be so many people that are so happy to hear that. You know, that, that yeah, yeah. Such, that's an easy thing that they can do today and they can start on that journey. Sorry, keep going. Second step. A- absolutely. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no problem. But then the second thing is whether you're looking for a grant or some other funding instrument or even an investment is you, you start researching those opportunities and the people who you want to target for investment. Understand what they're looking for. What are their criteria? What, uh, what have they invested or funded in the past? At what levels? So before you, you really do anything, you have to understand who you're going to be going to for funding, wow. regardless of who it is first. If you don't, then you have little chance of being successful. 
this is, this is taking the recipe exactly from your manufacturing business where you targeted a customer base before you put a tool to, to work. So being like great advice to look at what niche of world of business that you're in and make a list of 50 or 100 possible investors who has invested in similar companies before or who has, you know, side businesses that are, that are aligned. Make those lists and research so that you can set up what you're doing to tick their boxes as you get there. Yeah, and it's a lot of research. I when when we did the Walmart and and uh, pitches for the other mass retailers, we spent countless hours researching and talking to people and asking questions, so that when we came into that interview, we had an answer for every single question that they asked. Wow! Uh, so, several years ago, I helped uh, this fifteen-year-old entrepreneur who wanted to go on to Shark Tank. I helped him prepare his pitch, and the night before he went on the show, uh, flew down to L.A. and sat with him for about five or six hours and grilled him with questions. And when he went up on the, on the show the next day, he had an answer to every question that they asked. And when Mark Cuban asked him, how do we know that people are going to buy this product if, if we give you money? And he pulled an email from the chairman of Hilton hotels out of his pocket that said, if you make this, we'll buy it. Wow. And he, and he got offers from four of the five sharks. That's fantastic. But it was all about research and being prepared beforehand, knowing what they wanted to at what they were going to ask, the roadblocks and the barriers they were going to throw up and being prepared for them. Wow. I, the value of that can't be understated because I think, you know, you, you're talking about a 10 million, 100 million, you're talking about something huge there. Like, let's not, let's not skip past that because I think the value of that research is huge. But I'm going to throw this at you, Ron. I can almost feel somebody in their car listening to this right now as a business owner going, I don't have time. Can I, can I offer a suggestion to that person and see what you think? Employ an intern. Sure. Employ an intern. Like, get an intern whose who's, who's major right now is marketing and research, get yeah. them to start the path while you're running your business. I understand that you're, bu- that you're busy, but get an intern to do this research for you because that could be a $100 million reward for that intern. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, I use interns for research. I use uh, virtual assistants that I get from uh, Fiverr, Fiverr sometimes or Upwork. Yep. Uh, but but yeah, I have virtual teams that do a lot of the research for me because I just don't have time to do it myself. Bingo. And, and there it is. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? To be, a, to be a true successful entrepreneur, do what you do and get other people to do what's needed, but to, you know, isn't that immediate cash result reward? I think that's fantastic. So uh, you know, it's, a, it's about storyboarding it out, like a mafia hit. You know, these are the people we want to yeah. target. This is what their interests are. This is what they do. This is what they're looking for. And really making sure you're setting your business up as we said, to tick those boxes because we're talking funding, we're talking grants, we're talking millions of dollars, we're talking an investor who's just sitting there waiting to put money into your company and if you can structure it the right way, then you make yourself a lot more attractive to them. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. You just can't understate what you said. It's so important. Wow, fantastic. Now, Ron, you're, you're at a cocktail party. And you, you're saying to somebody that uh, you're an angel investor, you're San Francisco based, you, you know, the, the co-director and founder of the Founder Institute, and they turn around to you skeptically and say, yeah, all the good ideas are taken. 
Never. <laughs> but all the good ideas are never taken. I've, I've thought that since I was a kid. I bet. And I've all, you're always proven wrong because everywhere you look, opportunities arise, new problems arise that need to be solved. New markets are growing. People's interests are changing. There is no limit to the number of opportunities and ideas and problems to solve out there. Do you know, and every time that somebody opens up something new, like every time there's a new business, a new success, there's so many uh, feeder industries that pop up as a result of that, aren't there? Like for, to say that all the good ideas are taken would be to say that when we put someone on the moon, we, that was the end in terms of, of everything else that we could do on the, on the planet. So there's plenty of opportunity out there. So Ron, what takes most of your day now? Like what's, what's an average day look like for a founder, a, an angel investor like yourself? Well, for me, it's I, I, I get up early and because my clients are all over the world, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm on the phone as early as 5.30 or 6 a.m. Pacific time. I spend a lot of my time on the phone talking to clients or potential clients or uh, funders or investors. Uh, I, I really spend a lot of my day talking on the phone or in, in meetings, virtual meetings or in-person meetings. And then a lot of my time is spent strategizing, mm. developing, um, developing strategies for my business, for my clients, uh, for the Founder Institute, for the founders I coach through the Founder Institute. So it's a lot of strategic planning and coming up with ideas and problem solving. Nice. Do you That's- block... Do you block per client? Like, do you literally say, okay, I'm going to spend an hour on this one, an hour on the next one, or, or is it a bit more free-flowing than that? Um, I like to try and block time as much as possible, but <laughs> sometimes things happen and it doesn't always work that way where there, a client has an emergency or, or a founder calls me crying or something like that that, that sidetracks me. But <laughs> I always have certain things I set out every day these are the things I am going to accomplish today. Mm. And regardless of what happens, I always make sure that I accomplish those three, four, five, six, eight, whatever number of things that are on my list. Mm. They always get done. Have you ever laid down, heads hit the pillow, thought to yourself, oh, darn it, there was that one more thing, jumped up, fixed a problem, got it solved? Yes. Yeah, many times, yes. I'm sure. Many yeah, times. There's, there have been times I've, I've, I've woken up at two in the morning and the solution to a problem has come to me and I've gotten up and sat at my desk and just wrote it down and made enough notes so I could understand it when I wake up in the morning and then gone back to bed. Nice. Um, Because sometimes solutions to difficult problems come to you when you least expect it. Yeah, definitely. That's usually what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that that peaceful state of mind that sometimes brings those solutions. Ron, what makes a founder cry? You know, you're mentioning that, um, uh, you know, you might cop a phone call from a founder who is in tears. What makes a founder cry? What are the things that they struggle with? Typically, what what I see bring a founder to tears is the frustration of the process of launching, growing, scaling, securing funding, developing product or whatever, of it taking much longer and being more difficult than they envisioned. And it gets really stressful for them. Mm. And sometimes they feel like they're at the breaking point. 
and um, the the founders that we we deal with at the Founder Institute tend to look at my co-director and I as almost parental figures. Yeah, counselors. So, yeah, yeah. So they'll they'll come to us when they're really at the brink of frustration and a lot of times sometimes break into tears and we just uh let's firmly let's see, but, help, let's see if we can help some people right now uh and give them a, give them that advice let's let's imagine that we've got somebody and we know the situation right you've heard it enough times as you said they're they're frustrated they're at the end of their rope they've done everything that they think they just they need the money they're at breaking point how can you take that person and say it's going to be okay this is what you should do well, I, I usually use an analogy, uh, oftentimes like an Olympic athlete, that if an Olympic athlete just gave up because he or she got frustrated, it was too much, they were too tired, they couldn't take another, another step, they wouldn't be in the Olympics and they wouldn't be gold or silver, silver medal win, winners. They get to where they are because they push themselves beyond what they believe they're capable of achieving. And that's what we tell, that's what I tell our founders is that when you, when you get into that position where you think you can't go on, you have to push yourself beyond what you think you're capable of achieving. Yeah, absolutely. That's how you find success. I've said to people before, you are stronger than you can possibly believe and weaker than you can possibly imagine. So what I mean is you can go through some incredible things. Like if you look at human beings and what they've been through, where you are right now, you can just dust that off because there's, it's been proven that you can get through it. But at the same time, you're weaker than you possibly believe because at times you just need help. And to be able to reach out to somebody like yourself or you know, at the Founder Institute or associated peers or you know, even professionals, at times... You need help so you're stronger than you can possibly believe, but at the same time, you're weaker than you can imagine. Make use of both of those. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with asking for help when you're overwhelmed. Uh, it's actually, it's a sign of strength yeah. that you are confident and capable enough to admit that you don't have the answer or you need help or you need support. And um, it's foolish to, to, to try and, just hold it all in and, and fix it yourself. Yeah, definitely. That's when that's when the cracks really start to appear. So now, Ron, you've you've worked in in the US, of course. A majority of your business and clients are there. You've worked in Colombia, Peru, Switzerland, Germany, Spain, the UK. You've been all around the world. You've looked at all kinds of different businesses. What's and we've heard some of the amazing successes, and I'm going to ask you for a brag moment in just a, in a bit because I know that there's there's that one I've read about it. I want to hear about it from the the founder who you you picked up so much uh, funding for. But what are the what's the biggest mistake that you've made or that you've seen made in a company, a founder, an entrepreneur? What's the biggest mistake you've seen made, and how did they fix it? Well, um, for me. I, I just speaking personally, the biggest mistakes I've ever made have been when I've gone to get gone against my gut reaction, my gut instinct, when it's told me to say no, and I didn't listen. Wow. It, yeah, there were several instances where uh, it, it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it, at one point, I thought it was going to bankrupt me and and the company. But I got through it and 
you know, am, am successful again. So I, I, I see that a lot with other founders. When they go against their gut, they oftentimes that's when they make their biggest mistakes. It's that little inner voice, you know, and, and we, we as entrepreneurs, we, we beat ourselves up all the time because we haven't achieved tomorrow's goal yet. That's what we do. We look forward and we say, hey, there's something I can do. Let's get after it. And then we beat ourselves up because we're not quite there yet. But we, we very seldom look backwards at what we've already achieved and have that kind of resume list of look at the things I've done and, and you know, uh, make, that, make that knowledge internal that you do make good decisions that you always land on your feet. So trust your gut, you know, make that, make that decision confidently because it's led you to where you are. And guess, you know, uh, let me bounce this off you, Ron. If you're wrong, you can fix it. Like you're that guy. You can fix it. You're that person that says, hey, do you know what? If I stuff this up, I've never not been able to fix it yet, right? So trust your gut. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can recover from almost anything. And I've seen people, I've, I've gone through it myself. I've seen it in other people. Um, you can recover from any business disaster or financial disaster there are always ways to recover and bounce back. You're stronger than you can possibly believe. There's nothing that you can't get through. So I'm looking for this brag moment, Ron. I really, I want to hear you say it. I'm going to say just two words to you, renewable energy. Yes, yes. So um, I've had some real great successes with renewable energy, uh, one of which was uh, several years ago, uh, I met some some folks who were uh, in, in the Hollywood film industry, and they had this concept, uh, renewable energy concept, literally scribbled on a napkin. Wow! And they were absolutely confident that this could really change this one sector of renewable energy. And um, I believed them that that this could work. So I helped them get uh, $1.1 million for this uh, from the wow. U.S. Uh, Department of Agriculture to develop two, two of the machines and commercialize them. And, um, you know, I was just two weeks ago, I was just in Colombia uh, because now they're looking at scaling those machines in rural communities throughout Colombia. Fantastic. And, um, and then another one. I was going to say, that's, that's not even the gold brass ring, right? That's not even the brass ring. So let me say another two words to you, and let's see if we can, we can bounce this. And this is not even the brass ring, but what about 9.2 million commercializing new technology? Yes, that was, uh, that was another one. That was uh, uh, two founders here in uh, Northern California. They had full-time jobs. This was just a side business for them. And it was a uh, it was a concept that they had built or developed to uh, dramatically reduce the size and energy use of data centers, which are huge energy guzzlers around the world. And uh, they were able to uh, get interest from Google and other large uh, internet firms in utilizing this technology. So again, this was a concept. They both just had they both had full time jobs. Uh, they weren't even working full-time at the company, and uh, we were able to get them $9.2 million to deploy uh, a pilot project, and the company was eventually uh, sold. Uh, somebody bought it out, and uh, 
uh, presumably deployed their, their technology uh, in these data centers. Yeah. And, and do you know what I love, mate, is that that's what you do, is that you take the founder, the founders, that idea, that concept, and you guide them to be able to set up in the right way, to target their customers in the right way, to achieve that funding, to be able to grow that idea and to take that from the concept, the garage, the, the spare room, the idea on the back of a napkin and take it into something that can genuinely change and move economics as we're moving forward. So, so tell me about the brass ring. The, I, I, I'm going to say public safety, but I want you to tell the brass ring story. Um. I'm I'm trying I'm drawing a blank on which one you're referring to. Sixteen there- million, sixteen million in funding helping a small business. Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. That one, yeah. That was uh, that was a small business uh, in uh, Central Florida that uh, had been referred to me by a colleague, and uh, they were they were working in the public safety field, and um, were really had a a unique approach that they wanted to scale. Uh, in in the public safety sector throughout the United States. So what I was able to find for them was a a strategic partnership within the federal government that landed them $16 million in funding that allowed that company to go from a tiny office in Central Florida to uh, being all over over the United States. And then... um, uh, I helped one of one of the, the the principals of that firm left eventually and started his own firm in the transportation sector, and I helped him. And for five years in a row, he was on uh, Forbes' list of the 200 fastest growing companies in the United States. Sensational, uh, unreal. So there's one thing that I know is true, Ron. It's that success leaves clues. As, as you started the manufacturing business, you targeted the customer, you built for a specific purpose and you followed a, a series of steps. Now, what I'm going to say is look at the resume of what you've been able to put together. And all I can say to the entrepreneurs that are listening and to the business owners that are listening and looking to achieve their own growth is this is someone that really has left those clues. If you want to follow along with what Ron's teaching, it's rflavin.com. It's R-F-L-A-V-I-N.com. I'll make sure we put a link in the show notes. Download Ron's guide. It's right at the bottom of the website. So you can download the guide on, on how to make sure you're setting yourself up in the best way to achieve funding, to get some grants, and really have a look at the success that Ron's been able to achieve. Uh, and and uh, this is someone definitely to, to follow along. Ron, I'm so grateful of your time. I've just got a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Sure. If there's, if there's been any, uh, any books, any media, any audios or podcasts or, or um, mentors that have made a massive difference to you? Wow. There are, have been so many people who've inspired me. Uh, uh, both, both personal friends and uh, entrepreneurs who are, are, are famous, who we've, we've all seen and heard about. Uh, books that, that come to mind that I, I really found impactful is one is called The, the Obstacle is a Way. The Obstacle is the Way, which Ryan, I found is uh, Ryan an Halliday? excellent book. What's that? Ryan Halliday, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then... Uh, there is another one about um, uh, the antidote, uh, which is uh, for people. Uh, for it's it's the antidote, something for people who hate happiness, or wow. something like. 
Yeah, I love it. I'll, I'll get yeah, my guys yeah, to do it's... some research. I'll, 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 uh, I'll include a, a link for that one as well. Uh, and again, uh, Ron, thank you so much for the generosity of what you've been able to talk about. I think that this 30-minute session is, is uh, going to help someone. Uh, and I just want to ask you just to finish off, what's, what's next for you in, in terms of uh, the Startup Institute, in terms of Ron Flavin, in terms of what you see as a, a horizon that you can look forward to and think, wow, this is going to be something big? Well, um, we're right now looking at, at ways of, of scaling uh, my, the reach of what I do uh, mm-hmm. with some colleagues and business partners, uh, really looking forward to, to working in other parts of the world, particularly in rural communities or impoverished communities, to bring locally driven economic opportunity um, to those areas because I believe that entrepreneurship is 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 a way to can change the world and solve the world's problems yeah. and i believe that it has to be from the bottom up not the top down i don't believe in trickle down economics at all mm. um i believe that if if we want to solve the world's problems we need to go out there and do it yeah. and i want to help people do that um so that's really what's next uh and i found the name of that book it's called the antidote Happiness for people who can't stand positive thinking. Nice, amazing book. Amazing. Love it. I'll be I'll be getting onto Amazon as soon as we finish the call. And, uh, and yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds great, so, Ron. The journey that you've been on, helping so many entrepreneurs change so many lives, employ so many people. As we look at that success, being able to tap into grants and funding, founders, and expanding people's dreams and abilities is something that I just absolutely want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm looking forward to uh, to your next steps of the journey. Can't wait to follow along along the way. I know you've uh, you've written a book already, but uh, let us uh, keep in touch with you. And uh, I can't wait to see what you've got coming through, man. Thank you so much. Likewise. I look forward to uh, keeping in touch with you and following you. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ron. See All you right. next time. Take care. Bye. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.